Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware. I was going to say Morph Monday, but it hasn't been Morph Monday for it's a while, and it never will be again. Uh, <gasps> oh, sad. Uh, this is the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are starting a brand new unit. It is that spooky time of year, as per tradition, Em has brought to us a genre of horror uh, that she would like to explore in depth for the next couple months. Uh, and you've chosen YA horror mm-hmm. this time around with yes. a book called Thirsty by M.T. Anderson. Indeed. So what's up with this book? Um, okay. Why did you so, make me read this? Well, <laughs> really why I made you read this is because we had some changes in our schedule and I wanted to pick a yeah, short that's book. Fair. That's, so, fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's really why I did it. But um, in addition, I did read this as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. You sent me the copy of, or the the picture, like the the picture of the the cover. It was a real nasty cover. Yeah, that you, I guess, had with this book. Have you seen the other covers for it? The one I read on Hoopla, um, mm-hmm. it was just teeth. Yes, uh, white teeth on a black background. Yes. In a manner that I believe was published, like was re-released shortly after another famous Emulating vampire book. Twilight for uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Um, and I fell into the trap as a young yeah. teen. I thought this is clearly a Twilight ripoff. Oh my God. Great. There was a 2017 re-release as well. Mm-hmm. That one actually looks kind of cool, I think, if it's the one I'm yeah. thinking of. Um, it's definitely, it, if I had seen that cover, I would have known more it may, what to expect. It fits more with the book, right? Yes. Um, mm. Yeah, so I went into this as a teen thinking, this is a Twilight ripoff. I will read it because I'm a Twilight fan at this point in I'm time. I'm also a Twilight ripoff. I am also a Twilight ripoff. Um, <laughs> and we've had this story before. This was a, a, a plague in the, you know, aughts that a lot of mm-hmm. books were getting republished, trying to capitalize on the Twilight craze. This was the issue that I had with uh, Nett Curtis Klaus's uh, Silver Kiss and Blood and Chocolate was, again, that I thought it was Twilighty because it was being marketed as Twilighty, and it was not. And yeah. Boy, was that book difficult to read. And similarly, this book was being marketed as Twilighty at the time, and it certainly is not in any way. It predates no. Twilight, number one. Um, It's not a vampire romance, even a little bit. (laughs) Nope. Uh, So I was severely confused um, and concerned when I read it because it just was not what I was expecting to read. Uh, It would, I think, be best defined as satire horror or comedy horror. Yes. Um, Also YA horror, which is, you know, why we're doing this unit or why we're putting it in this unit. Um, But yeah, I was really interested to reread this book and see if I liked it knowing what genre it actually was. Did you? I didn't hate it. I definitely Mm. didn't hate it as much as I did when I first read it. Um, I think that it has some problems in terms of plot. And (laughs) I think that it confused me in terms of what the point was. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. I have a big yawn there on, on mic. <laughs> yeah, no. I also, there there is a big, like, okay, so what? At the end of this, mm-hmm. you know, like. A, Which can be good. It can be good. In this instance, because it is a horror comedy throughout, the ending is very bleak and surprising. Mm-hmm. In that regard, um, spoilers, I guess. But I mean, that's kind uh, of classic horror is that, you know, it ends on a downer yeah. note. Yeah. Um, that's not atypical for that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the bigger issue was just thematically the use of vampires, where I'm like, I feel like you're trying mm-hmm. to say something, and I have absolutely I, no clue what it is. I did read somewhere that perhaps this is an allegory for being a gay teen Mm -hmm. in a time when that was not a good thing to be by according to some people i would push back on that heavily um Mm -hmm. no because i think that the things that they're pulling from i'm so glad we're getting into this at the top of the episode because i knew it was going to come up i think some of the because i saw similar things and i saw like someone was like oh this was um like in the lgbtq book suggestions and i'm like it's not Mm -hmm. though is the thing um yeah a couple of the things that point to it maybe being a gay allegory is some of the language that is used is very like reminiscent of 
language used in queer culture. Like ob- the obvious one is when one of the characters says, oh, you're not going to come out of the coffin, um, which mm. is obviously a reference to coming out of the closet. Yeah. The problem with that is that it also does that with other marginalizations. It uses, it appropriates language that is specific to uh, marginalized people's struggles in order to refer to the struggles of the supernatural in this book. Um, Like it refers Mm -hmm. to the death of vampires as lynchings, which is obviously a very specific um, thing in the black community. Like, obviously. Uh, It also... Um, there, there's some talk about like how they had to uh, drown, like the the they, they talk about drown towns at one point, which is again, again, yeah, that is a specific uh, historical thing that relates heavily to uh, the black struggle in America. Um, mm-hmm. Not not all drowned towns were primarily black, but a lot of them were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, there's the coming out of the coffin. There's um, kind of some maybe hand waves at atheism being the thing that this is trying to tie, tie vampirism to, with um, the discussion of like, do you believe in angels and what whatnot? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that this could be making vampirism an allegory for. I think that. Um, it's not doing any of those. I think it's just kind of like gesturing to them as like otherness. I think the closest one that I would say is puberty in general, but then that really doesn't track with like a lot of the stuff that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, again, if you are making a vampire book where you are trying to make it an allegory for otherness and you are drawing clear parallels to specific forms of marginalization, such as race and uh, sexuality, that is very dangerous to do when there is also very valid reason to hate vampires, right? Like yeah. these vampires in this <laughs> they book kill people. are murderers. Like, uh-huh. so it is not maybe the best way to explore that subject, especially Correct. if you're just hand waving at it and don't have any actual instances that are like, he's not gay. Like you could say that this is, oh, maybe a, a, and like you said, an allegory for the main character being gay, mm-hmm, but he, mm-hmm. the character is not gay. He specifically no. is attracted to members of the opposite gender. It is brought up many One times, specifically. right? So I mean, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. Like you said, like I think it is. It's trying to gesture at something and be like, yeah. get it, but it's like gesturing at too many things it's like it threw a lot of stuff at the wall to see what would stick yeah. and i think it it just kind of lands on generally the idea of otherness but mm-hmm. like that's so vague and non-committal that like what is even the point you know which is yes. my problem with this book is like what is the mm-hmm. point exactly there's nothing here besides besides Chris and Chris's struggle in this book about whether or not he wants to be a vampire. There's mm. nothing redeeming at all about any of the vampires that no. were like, yeah, just do it. Just just murder people and become one of them. Become a vampire. It's fine, dude. Um, I, though, I mean, also thinking about it, like, have we said before on this podcast that if we were given the opportunity to be an immortal being, would we take it? Mm, yeah maybe not these versions of vampires right right well and that's the thing is that like i'm not saying you know good bad whatever in terms of choosing to be a vampire i Mm -hmm. am not ready to come down on that but what i am saying is that (laughs) this book if (laughs) if we we, don't we're not ready to make a solid commitment to team human or team vampire at this moment in time next question (laughs) (laughs) If we are um, reading this as an allegory for being gay, as some reviewers suggest we should, um, that I think, because the same same fucking thing happened with the True Blood series, where uh, the TV series specifically, where they were pulling in, like, oh, this, they had, you know, um, like a church that was doing picketing against vampires and all this other stuff, where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is very clearly, and they were like, I think there's at one scene they're holding a God hates fangs sign, which it's like, we get it. Um, okay. Yeah. But when you are doing that, it doesn't, it doesn't work to make the, the, <laughs> the supernatural being like, Oh, isn't it bad that they're persecuted when they are dangerous murderers? Because then like, yeah, that's just reinforcing the idea that, which this is, 
this was an idea in the 80s and 90s especially coming off of the mm-hmm. AIDS crisis that being gay is akin to being a dangerous murderer because you might kill someone with your mm-hmm. sex you know mm-hmm. like that that is not an like that idea existed at this time and you know still continues in some communities today so to to try to be to I I don't think that Anderson was like this is about being gay. I think that yeah. he was like, it's about puberty, question mark, or maybe... It's about not fitting not in. Not fitting in, right. Of any amount of reasons, but that's kind of doing a disservice to those reasons. It's like maybe focus up on one and clarify like what the point is that you're trying to make because yeah. the point that you're making right now is that it is dangerous to be other, more for yes. the people around you than for yourself. And, and in the end, we're left with, like, Chris, who is saying that, oh, so remaining human is making the choice every second to, to remain human. So, like, if it is, like, an allegory for a gay teen, like, I have to I have to make the conscious decision to be straight. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, if we're, if we're reading this as a gay allegory, which yeah. I don't think we should, but we we're going to talk about it. We shouldn't. Um, yeah. There's also, like, I think that he is coming down on the gay is nature, not nurture um, mm-hmm. side of things because he has it being a thing that he was cursed with at birth, right? If we are mm-hmm. reading this as, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's it's something he was given at birth, right? Yes. Um, uh-huh. So uh, I think it, it's, I, I would take that particular quote more as being like he is, choosing to perform straightness if we if we are reading this as a gay allegory which yeah. we should and that is also like because that that's is that's a weird message to right because then that like... is saying that performing straightness is the correct choice and it's like yeah mm-hmm. okay. i mean i guess you could make the argument that it's like him coming out of the closet slash coffin would destroy is the choice <laughs> to destroy his family right like uh yeah but even then like it's like that's a lot that's a lot to (laughs) it is a lot so um yeah it (laughs) what is this book about idk a vampire who doesn't want to be a vampire i guess if we take it at very face value um are we recommending this book to anybody i don't know um i think no, I don't think I would. I think I don't think I would. At this point in time, no. I think that they're like at the time, if I was in 1997, which I believe is when, when this book came out, I might. I might recommend it to some teens because I think that mm-hmm. um, it was doing interesting things in YA. Yes. I don't think that I think that there are other books that do those interesting things now that are yes. maybe more relevant. It definitely had a few moments where I was like, I can I can see why some reviewers at the time said this book was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are some humorous moments in this. I I personally found the dialogue to be very weird. Yeah, uh, the writing style is definitely not for me. It's very stilted. Um, but I kind of liked that. Like I was like, I feel mm. like I would enjoy this writing style. Like I might read one of his other books. I remember reading Feed, and I think it worked better in Feed mm-hmm. because that was like a cyberpunk sort of like science, very heavy on the science fiction. Yeah, uh, and so it kind of for it to be more clinical or analytical or whatever made more sense in that context. But as this like vampire puberty setting off your vampirism, all of the hormones and angst in the world, it was kind of a weird choice. Yeah, but if that's your writing style, that's your writing style. You can't change it. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't I don't think like today, I don't think that this holds as much weight. Like like you said, especially I feel like the horror genre is really um, expanding at the moment. Right. I just feel like people are really not that it's never been there, but people are really getting into it now. And it's becoming very popular in a way that I don't, haven't noticed it being um, in the past 10 years or so. I think there definitely is better yeah. YA horror out there now that would be more relevant, mm-hmm. uh, more timely, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I will say I, mean, I think M.T. Anderson has been like a proponent of treating young adults like they can handle mature topics. That's true. Um, yeah, this is very just like murder. Yeah, but I um, I think that that is 
generally a more agreed upon stance now than it was in the late 90s. But I do want to give him props for being like in that wave, along with, I think, uh, our favorite K.A. Applegate of being like, no, kids do understand heavy topics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So it it was it was it was an interesting, weird read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people are into that. Some people are into those weird stories just for the sake of them being weird and unusual. And I think this could be one for you if you like that. Um, this is not the type of fantasy I'm particularly fond of. Mm. This is, again, uh, coming off of reading the dive books, this is also very much a boy book. <laughs> and <laughs> also boy book. coming across off, coming off of reading Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar, maybe it's an allegory for mental illness? Don't know. I don't, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I it, can't imagine reading those two back to back. I know. It was real because there's so many, it's weird how many similarities there are in terms of like, both of them having like struggles with sleeping and eating and like that being very yes, like prolonged discussions. And I was like, dang, this is really resonating right now. Yeah. So Esther and throwing up, they was both, actually a vampire. Yeah. They both throw up is the other thing. And you know, Oh yeah. They both throw up. Clear parallels. <laughs> um, cool. Well, what else have you been reading? What else have I been reading? Not much, I have to say. Um, I did, I mean, we're, we our recording schedule is a little bit more rushed than it normally is. Mm-hmm. Plus, we had house guests, so I didn't have a ton of time. I am, like, about 25% of the of the way through um, Certain Dark Things by Sylvia Moreno Garcia, which is another vampire book. Um, but it is set in Mexico City in a world where, again, vampires are known. Uh, they're a known entity, but they are... Um, they kind of, from from what I can gather of what I've read so far, kind of form gangs like or mafias, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of situation. Um, and like our favorite it, uh, Vampire the Masquerade novel, uh, Toreador. Yeah, <laughs> but really, this is much more interesting so far, certainly. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of everything Sylvia Moreno yes. Garcia has written that I have read. I'm assuming I will love this as well. Um, but I just haven't had time for it yet, so. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How about you? Well, unfortunately, I'm in the same boat as you. Yay! Um, I started reading <laughs> this book uh, I got a while ago called A Howl. It's a comic anthology that is about, um, like, it's indigenous authors uh, and artists. I was going to say drawers, but that's incorrect. <laughs> doing, um, it's not incorrect. It's just not the most correct. <laughs> doing um, comics about uh, werewolves, rougarou, and other like shapeshifter, wolfy type things. Um, so, you know, uh-huh. if you don't like vampires and do like werewolves and want to support indigenous uh, artists, maybe check that out. It's pretty good so far. I'm enjoying some of the, some of the, because uh, they're, they're all, this is an anthology, so they're all little short comics. Um, quick read. Yeah. Um, besides that, I've been playing Disney Dreamlight Valley. Disney Dreamlight Valley. I finished it's taken over our lives. all of the quests, and I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Um, it's fine. Yeah. Just remember, when you guys listen to this episode in two weeks, we did record it at the same time. Yes. Yes. The last one where we also <laughs> talked about Disney Dreamlight Valley. So it's much more impressive that she has completed all the quests mm-hmm. already uh-huh. than it would be in two weeks. I don't know if impressive is the right word <laughs> so much as so upsetting. Impressive. I <laughs> I'm impressed. I am um, I'm still making my way with these villagers and I just you know what? I just want to buy all the dresses. So all I've been hey, doing is farming crops that's and valid. buying clothes. That's valid. See, so. I, I went the opposite way. I blazed through the quests and now I have become a leak magnet and can sell my leaks all day long and make thousands of coins from it and um just buy every dress it's I want. Time to beautify yeah, your village. To, time to make my village not look like shit. <laughs> I will say, if anyone is like, hasn't played it yet at this, not at this point, but if you're a fan of these types of games and you haven't played it yet and you want to know how it compares to Animal Crossing, it does a lot of things. Um, it, it has made a lot of improvements on like the customization and mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's so much easier to place buildings. You don't have to pay a bunch of money and then wait for the next day. Like you just you just plop it down wherever you want and. Um, you know, I don't know. There, it's just, it's streamlined a lot of things. I'm enjoying it, uh, really getting into it in a way I haven't gotten into a game since Animal Crossing, probably. Um, yeah. See, I'm, play, I'm coming play. off of it straight from <laughs> Graveyard Keeper. So I'm like, is this my life now? Is it just various farming sims? Like, 
that's my life that's all I play <laughs> that and persona 5 over and over and over again uh, if you do play please tweet at us your characters especially if you have a pirate hat <laughs> yes join our pirate hat club pirate hat pirate hat uh, but yes I would love to see your beautiful Disney outfits yeah. um, amazing okay well back to this book <laughs> There were no pirate hats in this book, I have to say. There weren't. I would think it would be vastly improved if they did wear them. Maybe maybe it's just one of those unstated things. Like, they just They're always are. wearing them? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's how I'll imagine it going forward. All of them are in a pirate hat. So this is a story. It's set in Massachusetts. I don't know if that's important to anybody, but it is. Uh, the main character's name is Chris, which I didn't know for a very long time because it's not pointed out for a very long time. I think it is important that it's set in Massachusetts because it's set in New mm-hmm. England, and I think it is doing some Lovecraftian things. That's, I see. Yeah. Okay. Because It is important. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the name of the vampire god is like it, is, it does have an apostrophe. Yeah, in and it. when they go yeah. to va- vampire god realm, it's like, Lovecraftian horror. I'm pretty sure that's this. Makes I'm, sense, I'm pretty yes. sure that is why it is set in Massachusetts. <laughs> very important detail that I've mentioned very carelessly <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. Um, so as we've mentioned, in this world, vampires are real. Um, there was at one point in time an evil vampire lord named Chumuchgar. Sure. Chumuch Chu Chu apostrophe Muchgar. Chumuchgar. Too much gar. Just too much this, gar. For this realm. Uh, he's Take your gar in the somewhere dimension. else, too much gar. <laughs> Truly, like, he is just too much gar. Sometimes you need a little bit of gar, but that is too much gar. So, too much gar. Trapped in a pocket dimension, and the, the humans have to do rituals every year in order to keep him in prison. Um, and and they do these rituals at an event they call the Sad Festival of Vampires, which, <laughs> wild. I didn't realize that this was supposed to be a comedy until we meet Chet. Uh, and, we, and then I'm like, this can't not be. But I was like, this is the most sadly hilarious name for a festival. I was getting they... big Christopher Moore vibes kind of from the beginning. So I was like, mm. okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't smart enough to pick up on that for a while. Um <laughs> I think this is like a, if not worldwide, then definitely like region or countrywide thing. Like people have to do these rituals every year. And some places have harsher rituals than others. Like there's one that they specifically mention that they have to do like a virgin sacrifice. Uh, but this, in, in, in Chris's town, they just sacrifice goats. So I it's think, fine. I think it's like there's various different paranormal things across the world because yeah. there's like that one town where they're all like having sex with the beasts in the woods and having beast kids and they all end up getting sent to jail because of it and there's like some <laughs> some reference of like sorcerers and there you know so i think like this runs the gamut yeah of, i think it's like this is the vampire town that town's probably dealing with like a demon lord or something you know so there you go yeah 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 they've every 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 small town in the country has <laughs> some sort of paranormal problem that they're dealing with um, vampires in general are illegal. You're it, you're not allowed to be a vampire because uh, when you are a vampire, you can't not murder people. You go around, you drink the blood of humans until those humans die. This isn't like a vampire diary situation mm-hmm. where you can like have a girlfriend that you <laughs> hypnotize to be your blood bag, right? I um, would posit though that it might actually be like if they let it be. It well, not even like a vampire diaries one but like a twilight one because mm. there is a scene where chris i'm jumping way ahead but chris almost eats his friend's dog <laughs> yeah so if he was hungry for dog blood or thirsty for dog blood in the way that he is thirsty for human blood it seems that that would satisfy the thirst right yeah so just, so have just like... eat animals yeah okay but yeah. That's never Just explored. Just like Stefan from... Yeah, or all of the Collins. Okay, so it was a Vampire Diaries thing. But See, yeah, I was not yeah. a big Vampire Diaries. Uh. I only liked the show for, mm-hmm. like, the first four or five seasons and then klaus left to be on the originals and then they ruined my favorite ship of the show i see so i stopped watching that klaus caroline yeah absolutely. i've heard of it yes um sorry no i'm just thinking it's such it's so good it's so good and then they went and just ruined it it's fine i'm not bitter <laughs> um if if a person is 
caught actively being a vampire, they are executed, as mentioned before, in a fashion that they refer to as lynching. Um, and and I do think that M.T. Anderson's like, no, I'm just talking about the very literal definition of what lynching is, which is executing someone without a trial or whatever. Um, but they do talk about like you know having a public mob mm-hmm. and uh, but but then the vampire is taken to a special execution building where it's not public it's not publicly seen so yeah. idk idk it's just very a very loaded term to be tossing around absolutely is the, <laughs> the very first scene in this book yeah um, other things about chris he has two best friends in quotations who are named tom and jerk they call him Jerk because he used to be short, and now he's not short. Still I don't know what that means. Is that a is Jerk a, a nickname for short people? I don't know. I was n- not aware. <laughs> I don't know. I think they all just are mean to Jerk. I think so. Or Michael, as his real name is. Um, and he has a crush on a girl named Rebecca, which is only important to the story because Rebecca is. I don't know. She he has a moment later on in the in the story with her that's like slightly like. Okay, I I don't know. I'm just mentioning it here because I'm going to mention her later. Mm. But it's it's the most like teenage angsty sort of crushing on her that I was like, ew, squicked out by. Um, Chris has been feeling like super out of character lately. He's very angry all the time. He hates all of his old hobbies. He's feeling super hungry, has trouble sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And the book opens with Chris and his older brother sneaking out of the house to go see a vampire execution um and while there the vampire looks up and before being pulled into the secret execution building and sees chris and then points at him in recognition and chris is like what me i don't i don't know what's going on and chris also seems to like chris is like i know her which doesn't make sense later on in the book (laughs) because okay so yeah so they they like here are the vampire rules let's just go ahead and they yeah. only have fangs when they are thirsty. They have retractable fangs. Um, yes. And they have reflections until they get to the thirsty stage, and then they don't have reflections. They can be mm. bitten, they can be cursed, and they can be born, I think. Um, yes. So there's many ways to become a vampire. Um, they but have to be... Like they, the- they bite people to... Um, they can turn them into vampires like when they're on the verge of death. Yes. To like save their life, kind yeah, of, which is what happens to Chris, right? Um, they or maybe when they're already dead because Lolly has that comment that about they burned his body, so I couldn't be with him. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. So, like, how does that make sense? Like, how do you revive someone? I think that's okay, just how whatever. it works. I think it's like you're, how these you're dead are. and then you become a vampire, yeah. They uh don't show up in photographs at the same time as the reflection thing. Um, if you are a vampire and you see another vampire, they have two shadows in your vision. So mm-hmm. that, or they get like an out, like a fuzzy. Outline yeah. Or so he yeah. describes it as two shadows, but it's like, yeah. Um, so that's how she recognized him, but he hadn't experienced the two shadows thing yet. So like, yeah. How did he recognize her? <laughs> I think I was wondering if she was maybe the the nurse from the hospital. Oh, later on in the book maybe. was my theory, maybe. but like, like. He, because I think there was like a throwaway comment of like she was related to him or so. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to go. Like back there's to some it, sort but. of like pull towards her that feels. Yes. Yeah. But I, I remember thinking like, oh, that's the vampire who made him. Mm. For some reason that like, that actually makes sense. And I can't though. figure out why. So that makes a lot more sense. So maybe that's what I it could is. just be. I'm very intuitive yeah. reader and yeah. I just assumed. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the, the big event of the book as we kind of are introduced to how much people hate vampires and, and, and kind of what they are. Um, there's a bunch of teen angst here in between. Chris is just very unhappy. Um, and one day he's hanging out with his two friends, Tom and Jerk, at a reservoir. He gets into a fight with Tom over, like, Tom and Jerk are just reciting an action movie they saw on TV. And Chris is just like, mm, cool, like giving bare minimum answers, which, like, if yeah also though like i don't want to sit here and listen to someone describe a movie they saw to me on cable television listen like tbs sometimes sometimes you hyperfixate on a thing and you need to tell all of your friends the entire plot to a movie okay like it happens okay but but to the extent <laughs> that tom and jerk are doing it where they're like going scene by scene 
I don't know. Yes, this has not been want, something. Who would ever want to listen to people recap scene by scene something that that person has experienced but you have not? That's you know what though is <laughs> Tom and Jerk probably funnier than Tom and Jerk. Tom and Jerk needed to make a podcast. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Tom and Jerk needed to get microphones and make a podcast, and then it would have been an idea. And worth then millions. it would have been good. As it was, they're just like a bunch of 14, 15 year olds hanging out in a, by a body of water. And, and Tom is describing it and Jerk is going, tell them about the part with the potatoes or whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, Tom gets mad that Chris is not giving the appropriate reactions. They get into a little hissy fit fight. Um, and Chris kind of shoves Tom into the water. Like he gets his pant leg wet, which is a huge sin. His pant leg is now wet. Tom doesn't want to be friends with Chris ever again. But the main thing here is when Chris looks down into the water, he sees he has no reflection. Um, and he starts to internally panic. He's like, uh, vampires don't have a reflection. I don't have a reflection. He's starting to put two and two together. I've been so hungry lately <laughs> and so angry. What could it all mean? But he doesn't want to talk about it to anyone because vampires are immediately executed when found out. Like, everybody hates them. So um, Tom and Drake leave Chris at the reservoir because because he's being an asshole. And Chris is approached by an adult man wearing all black who has been watching him for like the past two hours. They've commented on this man following them. And they're like making jokes about how he's probably an FBI agent. And I'm like, please, you are all about to get kidnapped. <laughs> but no, didn't happen that way. It's fine. <laughs> this man in all black introduces himself as... He's just like, hey, I'm a celestial being working for the forces of light. Uh, and Chris is like, what's your name? And the celestial being is like, you can't pronounce it. It's just kind of like a thought. A thought. You can call me Chet, though. <laughs> okay. Um, Chet confirms, Chris, you are indeed a vampire. I'm not really sure where you picked up your vampirism from, but puberty is what's triggering it. Um, and I need your help. See, remember that evil vampire, Lord Chumachgar? Um, I, I need you to help me with a task to rid him, uh, rid, rid the world of him. And if you help me, then I will cure your vampirism. Chris is like a little skeptical, but also like really wants to not be a vampire. So he's like, okay, tell me more. Uh, Chet says, you need to bring a holy relic called the Arm of Moriator, Moriator? The arm of Mariator. Uh, you have to bring... It's the basically like... Mariah Carey. Yes. And it's a little floppy disk that glows. And you take it into Chumachgar's realm and it will prevent him from escaping because the relic, when activated, if he tries to leave his prison, it will send him to a place in between realities, which I guess is essentially killing him because he will, he will just cease to exist. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're not in either reality, then you're not real. Exactly. And Chris is like, I thought the forces of light were, like, not about killing. I thought they wanted to, they, they were, like, peaceful. And Chet's like, oh, oh, yeah, totally. This is just, like, uh, incentive for him not to leave his prison. Like, he'll know it's there, and then he won't try to leave because then he'll die. Because there's, like, vampires that are going to fuck up the ritual this year. Yeah. So we're just doing this as a... Like, so then he'll be like, no, I actually won't leave. Thank you. I don't want to be destroyed. (laughs) Uh, Chris is like, or, and he also says, Chris, you have to do this because you, you're a vampire, but you're also still human, um, which is good for us because you'll have human motivations, but the, the vampires will still recognize you as one of their own. So it won't be suspicious if you walk into their territory to just drop off this holy relic. Like Mm -hmm. they'll just let you in. It'll be fine. It's my goat's fine totes fine and chris is like yeah all right i'll help i mean what else what else are you gonna do at this point exactly yeah uh trust the strange man who just walked up to you and claimed to be a celestial being sure um (laughs) chet's like chris says yes i'll help chet's like great i'll be back in a few weeks i gotta go get the the holy relic and then we'll get things started baby it'll be cool can't wait can't wait to collab with you on this during this period, I get more angst. It's just, it's the angstiest book. Chris it is, is vampire. A lot of angst. It's well written angst, but it's a lot of angst. It's just a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Chris's vampire cravings grow. He's thirsty for blood. He's no reflection when he's angry, but he's quick to anger. And he's got insomnia now. He hasn't slept for days. 
Um, he now that he's fully aware of what these things are, it seems to have more of a weight on him. Um, he also begins to get letters from like the local vampires inviting him to go out and blood drinking and or hunting with them, notably from a girl named Lolly, who we find out is like 180 years old or something like that, but acts like she's a teenage girl because, you know, if you're going to be a nearly immortal being, why not just live some of the most awkward years of your life over and over again? I also don't know if the use of the name Lolly is like intentional. Lollycon? Yeah, like if it's like, oh, this... You know, like, I'm like, I'm not sure if that, again, there's just so How much in this How many layers book. to this satire? Yeah, is there? I'm, there's yeah. so much in this book that I'm just like, is this the point you're trying to make or is it just kind of a thing you're throwing out there? Don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but Lolly tries to like, I don't know, she kind of tries to like the little flirty thing, like, just let me know when you want to meet up for a date. We can go hunting together, you know, because it's going to get harder the closer you get to your transition. The bloodlust is going to take over and you don't want to like go on a rampage and end up getting killed for it so you know just come talk to me and we'll figure out this whole vampire thing together right lol uh chris like crumples up the letter and throws away he's like i don't i don't want to do anything with the vampires i'm in love with rebecca i'm in love with rebecca who is a girl of light i really thought there was gonna be something more to rebecca than her just being like a nice popular girl um she's always like reading what the book refers to as mystical texts uh, she's really big into Kabbalism, you know, her and Madonna. Yeah. I don't know. She, um, but yeah, she's just like this nice girl who, who looks at Chris and sees a boy possibly going through depression and is like, hey, if you ever need to talk, please reach out to me. My sister also went through something like this and I have firsthand experience seeing how it can mess up your life. So just let me know. And Chris is like, oh, uh huh. I like you, but he never says that. He just likes her. I mean, lot. I think that I think that it is a, a deliberate choice to make it seem like she is going to be the one to save him, right? Right. And mm-hmm. be like, no, just kidding. That's not how it works. Like, stop romanticizing other people in this way. It's weird and it isn't helpful. Yeah. Um, because yeah, there is a lot of like buildup of like, oh, Rebecca's reading this mystical text. Oh, Rebecca's paying like close attention. And it's like, no, she's legitimately just a girl who has dealt with uh depression before and feels bad for her classmate like um yeah so i mean like i i that's why she's popular because she's nice she's nice but yeah it does it does kind of feel like a Chekhov's gun not going off but i think it is like to subvert expectations in a way that is uh yeah. like proving the it's i don't think this yeah, toy just like that final season of game of thrones mm. subverting all our expectations I don't think this term was coined yet because Elizabeth Town hadn't come out, but she's like trying to subvert the manic pixie dream girl thing of like, mm. this is not going to be this girl who comes in and fixes the, all the problems that you have, right? Yes. Which is nice. Yeah. It's nice for Rebecca. She gets yeah, to live in for Rebecca. Life, not be burdened by vampires. I mean, she does end up dating Tom, who seems kind oh. of garbage too, but. Um, <laughs> Chris also begins to be followed by this mysterious entity it's a man-shaped thing he calls the thing with the one piece hair which i think it was like a toupee situation i don't yeah. know i don't know uh he calls it the thing um i think it's this, like a toupee is, but like a plastic toupee essentially yeah like like he very obviously is not, not a, a person, person yeah but he is person shaped um like and me. he's he's in <laughs> <laughs> your in your plastic hair yeah. That you come over. Um, he, th- this this entity just follows him everywhere silently, but in like the worst way possible. Like he will press his face up against the glass and just look at Chris while Chris is eating dinner. And no one else sees him but Chris. So it's extra weird. Um, anyway, um, so that thing, that thing is going on. It kind of just becomes normal to Chris after a while. But uh, one night, Tom and Jerk invite Chris to go out vampire hunting with them one night. This is very much in quotations. It's just they're going out in the woods at night, having a good time. Um, it is worth noting at this point, though, that Chris is not very close to his friends anymore at this point. And Tom may have suspicions about what's happening to Chris because he does watch Chris very closely and has, like, noticed this very drastic change in Chris's personality. So we think, or the reader is made to think that maybe Tom is, like, 
on to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vampire hunting. He's going to murder him in the middle of the woods. Absolutely. Tom is Buffy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe he's got a chosen one thing going on. Um, They go out in the woods. They become separated after Chris once again gets into a fight with his two friends. And Chris is confronted by the thing. Um, And the thing tries to like run off with him like he grabs Chris and tries to like take him somewhere but Chet shows up and blasts the thing into dust or something which is okay because he can reform himself later on it was just kind of a temporary measure uh and Chet's like let me place this protective mark on your arm Chris and now none of those things will ever touch you again you'll be safe and he gives him like this permanent tattoo she says it's permanent and it will never come off why didn't he do this in the first place I don't know. I think because it's all fake. It's all fake. He just wanted to mark up this boy for being an idiot. He's just doing a goof. Um, he's just doing a gag, yeah. It's a bit. Um, he takes Chris to his car because his car is untraceable by by the thing. And Chris is like, my friends are here in the woods too. Can we give them a ride home? And Chet very obviously doesn't want to, but he gives in. He gives, the, he gives Tom Jerk and Jerk's dog. Uh, a ride home but instead of just taking them home and then going to their next location he instead knocks them out with magic and takes them to this vampire congregation you know like an agent of light would yeah like wouldn't it just be much easier to drop them off at the house they said was on the way it's fine whatever um They, they go to this vampire congregation. Chris is accepted as a vampire. And they tell him about their plan. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to, like, we've done something that will mess with the yearly ritual so that it won't it won't stick. Um, the ritual's not going to work. And then Chumachgar is going to rise up. And, and then he's going to take over North America. And it's going to be a vampire's playground. We'll keep humans as pets. Only bring them out when we want to eat them. It's going to be great. Now... Number one, the scene was pretty funny because there were a lot of, like, references to, like, oh, it's a casserole, but it's made of Kevin and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was good <laughs> vampire humor. Enjoyed. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Secondly, I feel like, again, this is red flag, especially now looking back on it in terms of what we know about this world. Because it's like, yes, there are vampires, but we also know that there's, like, every other fucking type of paranormal thing. They're not just going to let this vampire guy run run all of North America. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So it's like something yeah. else is going on here. Like this is no, no friends. What do you think that those those beast fuckers down in Florida are going to say about this? What do you think? <laughs> they, they also have a demon lord that yeah, needs territory. The the town next to you has something that they're sacrificing things to every year. Like clearly that guy's going to be like, no, fuck you. Like you know, it's just it's not going to work out the way you think it's going to work out, fam. Well, I was confused, too, by, I guess, Chris's stance. I, I guess he just loves being a human so much because Chet, Chet proposes this to him. He's like, you have to help me because if you don't, you're going to die either way. Mm-hmm. You're either going to die because you let the bloodlust take over you and you're you're caught by the humans and you're executed. Or you're going to fall into a coma and die of starvation because you refuse to drink blood. So you're you're going to die either way. So you have to help me. But I'm like, OK, but clearly, like, if he doesn't help. Too much guy's going to raise up. He's going to come out of his realm and he's going to be in charge and vampires are going to be the rulers. So he could just become a vampire the normal style and then he'll be the 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 one that's allowed to run all over and be a proud vampire. So I, just do that one. I think, though, <laughs> that this book posits, maybe erroneously, that this uh, that people generally love their families and don't want to see them turn into vampire slaves. Eh. So I think that might be part of his motivation for not. And also he has this hero complex, right, of like, I'm going to save the world. Yeah, that is his thing, is uh, he's really full of himself and he thinks he's the chosen one. Yeah, so I mean, again, a little bit of deconstruction there going on with it is. that But trope. for me, I'm like, you have a third option, Chris. I if mean, you want to take it, you don't have to listen to chat. I think his fourth option is just like, do the thing we said about like try consensual blood drinking try drinking yeah, an animal first drink a little bit. before you know you throw all the baby out with the bath water rebecca's nice she might let you i think again this book might have been setting that up to be the expectation of like oh they're gonna get together and she's going to save him she's with her gonna blood. be blood bag right but mm-hmm. then like it was like nah nah fam no so <laughs> um they 
bring Chris into like the inner sanctum of this church and they let him enter too much Gar's realm because there's something here about like he gets to go in and do some sort of something about conversion like they're really wanting to bring Chet to their or Chris to their side or something I think what it is is that Chet has told them that he works for a different demon lord who's a friend of too much Gar and yes, Chumachgar Chet has is basically double triple agent Yeah, basically here. his claim is that Chumachgar has requested to speak to uh uh Chris through this friend uh, of his. I missed that part. Yeah. So it's okay. like, oh, I got a message from my demon lord that he want that your demon lord wants to talk to this kid. Um I think is what no the No wonder is. everyone was looking at him. I was like, who gives a shit about Chris? Why is everyone <laughs> staring at him? Okay, that makes more sense. Um so Chris, Chet before before Chris goes into the vampire realm or whatever, Chet gives him the arm of Mariah Carey, and tells Chris how to activate it, which he does. He goes in, and too much too much is there, and too much is saying things like, "I'm so fucking bored. I just want to <laughs> die. I can't believe I'm trapped here forever. Oh, here's a boy. There's a boy here now, What's but then up, the boy? boy is pulled out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> here comes the boy." <laughs> Also, the important to note, the arm of Mariah Carey is activated in phrases that are like, uh, let the sun shine, whatever, yeah. like light uh, phrases. The sunshine. Exactly. Of um, things that, because he's kind of having this moment of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't trust this Czech guy. Maybe this is sketch. But then it's like, well, the, the weapon is clearly light based. Like it's clearly yeah, light side weapon. Light so it's yeah. probably fine. And he dumps it, and he's pulled out. And Chet's like, good job, dude. I'll give you um, that cure for vampirism in six to eight weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. They leave the congregation after Chris turns down the offer of blood and or human flesh. Uh, Chet, like, pretends, like, oh, we've got some bodies waiting for us in the back of my car, MBD. And they're like, oh, have fun. So they leave. Chet drops off Chris's friends and then Chris. And Chris is like, well, hey, wait, 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 wait. You got to cure me. And Chet's like, "Uh, actually, I personally cannot do that. That's not my department. But I'll send someone by. And in a few weeks, they will pop down, fix you right up. Uh, up Until then. Out the door. No more vampirism. Yes. Yes. Uh, But anyway, I got to go. And then he dips. And Chris, at this point, understands I have probably been used. But he still is holding out hope for Chet. He's like, Aren't maybe this guy will pull through. I'm holding out for a Chet. It's like this was like this like the the audacity of this teenage boy to be like, yes, I am the chosen one, and this will all work out for me, and I really should go with this complete and total stranger because he <laughs> needs me. I'm just like, boy, this is what you get. Um, we get some more teen angst. Uh, we learn about what Chris's mom thinks of angels. So Chris Chris specifically goes to his mother and is like, hey, mom, do you believe in angels? And and Chris's parents have been very worried about him for a long period of time. And so his mom kind of opens up and tells the story of like when Chris was at the hospital, they thought he was going to be stillborn. But then the, the nurse took him away and brought him back and Chris was alive and they asked around at the hospital but no one knew who that nurse was and so Chris's mom thought this was legitimately an angel who's brought my baby boy back to me Chris hears the story and he says that was a vampire that's how I got my vampirism fuck angels he tells his mom I don't believe in angels they're shit and he like leaves the house which also, though, what was the deal with this vampire? <laughs> like, what was her deal? Why did she just randomly show up? I think this was all part of Chet's But it wasn't. Because it wasn't. We it wasn't. Because this Chet, part wasn't? It wasn't because he found people that, it, that were infected already and, like, picked the most promising vampire. He did oh. not send anyone to vampire him. See, because he did say he like he went back in time, yes, twenty or thirty years to set everything in motion. Yes. I thought it was implying that he right. I thought so too. This. But then it specifically says Chet specifically says like he picked from amongst the vampire babies, basically uh, the people who were infected with vampirism who would like, um, dang. yeah, who would become vampires. And he was like, this one will work. So, so in a way, Chris was a chosen one. In a way, and also again, in a shitty way. What was this nurse vampire's deal? Like, <laughs> I don't. She just really liked biting babies. Maybe she. No. Maybe she maybe was like is... trying to. Either she was trying to have a kid of her own, and she was like, "Can't pop one out. I'll just bite one and yeah. then come pick him up in eighteen years or so." Um, or she was just like, "I'm doing a good thing, actually." I don't. I think. 
maybe because like can the vampires reproduce otherwise i think maybe they this can, is how they I, further their I species i think lolly is her father's like biological daughter and she oh, was born with well, vampirism yeah. i thought but i could be wrong about that then yeah who knows what this <laughs> yeah i don't know man some some kind of uh volunteer work weird uh, we also get a scene where the thing finally confronts Chris in his room. So after weeks of stalking this boy, he enters Chris's room and he says, Hey, I am a, I'm a, I'm a representative of the forces of light. And I have been tasked with watching you to see what you're up to, because we think that you're trying to like, uh, bust too much gar out of jail you're doing something. something funky my guy you're doing something funky and at first i was just charged with watching you to see if you're getting up to anything uh and you weren't you were really boring uh <laughs> but now i have some questions for you and and he tells uh, chris starts to tell him about chet and he's like well we just had a break-in like that guy doesn't work for us but we did have a break-in where someone pretending to be like a super secret agent on our side stole the arm of mariah carey but after some digging it turns out that there was no such mission so do you know anything about that and as chris is about to respond to this guy and kind of like switch sides basically chet shows up and like destroys the thing again and it's like oh he's definitely evil don't listen to him yeah, he's like, no, man, I'm a good guy. Uh, trust. And Chris says, I guess so. And then Chet dips again without curing Chris of his vampirism, and the thing never makes another reappearance. So, um, Then we have the sad festival of vampires. It is time. It is time for the ritual to commence. Chris is made to go with his brother to the festival because his family is like, you need to get out of this house and interact with people, please. You're really worrying us. Um. Chris's older brother has been invited to this kind of annual party held by a super popular person. Um, and Chris is like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to the party. It doesn't sound fun, whatever. But then he runs into Lolly, the girl who wrote him the letter telling him to go become a vampire with her. Um, he runs into Lolly and she's there with another vampire boy named like Bet or Bat, Bat. or something. Bat. Because he's Cause a vampire. Bat. Get it. Also, I think he was going to go to the party. But then, because, like, he was just going along with his brother, but then Lolly shows up, and he's like, no, nah, fuck, no, I'm not going. Like, he tries to hide from her, and is like, yeah. I'm going to go to the yeah, carnival. And then he goes to the carnival, and his friends are there, and they're like, let's and go to the party. They, and he's like, I don't want to, to do that. And then he goes, and that's where he meets Bat, and Bat's like, yeah. what's up? So, yeah, so he he he, whiff, 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 whiff. he flip-flops on the party. Doesn't matter. He ends up there. It gets into his mind. I should pretend to be friends with these vampires in order to get in good with them to prevent Chumashgar from escaping his prison. Because he's basically kind of settled down now on the fact that Chet gave me an artifact that's actually going to help them uh, help Chumashgar mm-hmm. escape. And he's tried so to, what, like, contact authorities and they think he's full of shit. They think so. he's full of shit because, I mean, yeah, who would believe that? Right. So, uh, so he goes to this party and Lolly, Lolly is like, come on, Chris, you got to kill your first human so you can become a vampire. Um, and, and Chris, Lolly like has brought, they've brought someone for him to snack on from yeah, like another so town. She's, she's fully ready for yeah. this. To, and yeah. Lolly makes the argument. Cause like Chris is like, Chris, I don't know if he actually like says something about it, but she's like, why do you have an aversion to killing? They kill each other. And I'm like, this is not the same level. You do get that, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, like, generally it's agreed that the people who aren't vampires who do killings are also bad. Like, I don't, I feel like, again, I feel like you're trying to make a point here, and I don't know. That's not a great argument. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and, and once Chris turns Lolly down, she, like, immediately decides that Chris is an enemy of theirs and decides to try and kill him. Well, I think this is kind of um, implied to be earlier, like, in that meeting with the vampires, when he goes, he's talking to Lolly's dad, and Lolly's dad is like, oh, yeah, we feed, like, we do the human flesh thing. Like, we don't really like human flesh, but it gets the kids used to the idea, which is, again, why I think that some of them are born, because they're, like, I don't know. Um, that, yeah. But it gets the kids used to, like, having to take human life to sustain themselves before they turn, um, so that because it can be a problem for their families if they don't, right? So I think that the yeah. implication here is that, like, 
the reason Lolly contacted him in the first place was they were like, hey, there's a vampire kid here. We got to make sure he's not going to go rogue and fuck shit up for us. Right. right? Like, and re- yeah. Because like, they're, they're nomadic, essentially out of necessity. Yeah. Because once people start catching on to a lot of dead right. bodies in the area, they start looking for vampires. And I would posit that probably their method of hunting, killing, eating is safer, less less deadly than letting him get to the point of yes. crazed thirst, which then right. we also see the reaction of, like, um, the townspeople once they are, like, as they become more aware of vampires in their midst, as they have these vampire attacks, that they become more aggressive towards the vampires, right? So, mm-hmm. like, yes, this makes sense in terms of, like, Lolly is like, hey, I want to make sure that you're not going to fuck shit up for us and make this an, a less safe place for us, right? Yes. So, yeah. So her solution to that is she needs to kill him. Which, Because fine. he's not going to turn. Chris flees. Um, Lolly and Bat attempt to chase him, but they get caught up because someone downstairs has a camera and they're trying to photo, or I think it's a video camera. It is. It's uh, and, his brother's video camera that one yeah. of the other guys has stolen and is using yeah. around the party. Yes. And, and they film Lolly and they realize she's not on the film. And so, you know, she's a vampire. All hell breaks loose. But it doesn't matter. Chris has fleed the building. He doesn't see any of that happen. Um, he goes back to the carnival part of the festival um, where he runs into Tom Jerk and his crush Rebecca and some other teens. And he asks to speak to Rebecca privately. Uh, again, she has made this offer to him, like, whenever you need to talk, just let me know. But once they're alone, his fangs sprout out and his bloodlust starts to set in. So he flees. And that's kind of like the last interaction he has with Rebecca. Uh, we actually learn later on that after this, like Tom and Rebecca go and make out. And now they're like kind of going out or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he decides, I don't know why, he decides to go back to the party just to see like what is what, what is up there. Should I, what happened? can I spin this to Lolly and get in with the vampire still? Yes. Uh, and he sees the house is completely empty except for one stoner kid who tells him what happened. So the crowd found out Lolly was a vampire. They attacked and hurt one of the kids. And then as she tried to flee, she got hit by a car and was knocked unconscious. Her body was bro- busted up really badly. But as we all know, tradition not traditional, but uh, popular vampire lore is that vampires can heal themselves very quickly. Um, she wasn't dead, but she was unconscious. So the police came and arrested her. And took her to go be executed. Um, and that's all this stoner kid knows. But then Chet shows up because he's like, I want to witness this ritual ceremony to see what happens to Chimuchgar. And uh, Chet shows up. Bat shows up. They're, <laughs> I don't know. I, this, this whole part of the book is so foggy to me. But um, uh, And Bat's like, what happened with Lolly? And Chet's like, oh, do you want to know? the as she was taken to go get executed the mob like kind of went a little berserk and all started attacking her and they actually did kill lolly out in the streets and he kind of like replays lolly's last words for bat or something uh who is very sad because i guess he loved lolly i don't know but chet ends up killing him uh, also i do want to just point out that again um, it's not just that lo- they were like, oh, vampires are so scary. We must kill them. It's that she killed one of them first when they, as they were like trying to move her out of the car. And mm-hmm. then um, that. Because she's trying to escape. Because she's yeah. trying to escape. So it's like, because I think important to note, the vampires are not morally good ever at yeah, any no, no, point no, no, in no, this no. book. So again, trying to compare them to any sort of marginalization is a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that vampire is taken care of. Chris is like, well, I'm here now with Chet. Maybe now Chet will, will cure me of my vampirism. Oh, Maybe Chris. after the ritual happens. Poor Chris. The ritual happens. Chumachgar attempts to leave his prison realm. Much like... Unlike what Chet told Chris would happen, Chumachgar attempts to leave his prison realm. He ends up getting stuck between realities and is killed, essentially. Uh, and then we get the big reveal. Chet was not a celestial being working with the forces of light. No, he is a mercenary who was p- paid and hired by Chumachgar so that Chumachgar could finally be at peace. He was tired of existing in this very empty realm with nothing to do. He just wanted to die. He was so fucking bored. 
Um, so Chet orchestrates that by going back in time, 20 to 30 years, getting all this stuff set up. I don't know what all he needed to get set up because clearly all he needed to do was just like find. I guess he needed to like track vampire babies. I don't know. Anyway, he he orchestrated all of this. Um, Chumachgar paid him in power, so now he has the powers of a god. But he either cannot or does not want to cure Chris's vampirism. I can't he remember. He almost it has the powers of a god. He's close mm-hmm. to it because, like, yes. I think this is the he keeps trying to. It it, it would seem that that is currency and celestial and whatever realm, and so that's how he gets paid. But mm-hmm. I I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to cure Chris, but also like I don't know if it's ever said if he can or not. Like I don't think he yeah. would cure Chris if he could because yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, he basically says, mm, nah, I don't want to. I think this is funnier. And he, um, like, tells Chris that, like, basically you're fucking foolish for believing me in the first place. Yes, this is this is kind of your your problem to deal with now. Like, even if you become a vampire now, the other vampires are going to know what you did, and they're going to hate you, and they're going to hunt you down and kill you. The humans are going to hunt you down and kill you. Like, Enjoy. sucks to suck. Yeah. And Chris is like, well, let me come with you. I could be useful to you. Uh, I could help you with your mercenary stuff. And Chet's like, I no. have almost the powers of a god. I don't need your help. You and then he just disappears. He definitely could not be useful. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, Chet just dips. <laughs> and and then this book, the, the book ends with Chris saying he's going to make the conscious decision to remain a human. And I, I the, the reader is left to speculate what happens to Chris. We can kind of maybe surmise he's going to make the difficult decision if he has the willpower to do so and make the decision to never partake in human blood and just die of starvation he thinks about you know maybe turning himself in because even at this point like his mom when he comes home his mom is like i swear to god if you were a vampire this whole time i'm i'm gonna be so fucking pissed because she just everyone hates vampires and they want them to die and she has the the conversation earlier about like the changeling twins right like that this mother um was convicted because she had twins and she thought they were changelings And so Mm -hmm. she threw them in the fire, which is what you're supposed to do with changelings. And one of them was, but one of them wasn't. So she was convicted of uh, murder. And Chris is like, I can't believe she did that to her children. And his mom's like, well, one child. Yeah. Implying that, like, his his mother. I, I think the ending here, that the two most likely endings are either Chris snaps and murders his entire family, which is horrible for Chris, or mm-hmm. his mom turns him in. I think that's kind of the two biggest implied endings. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah, they suck. Um, both options suck. If you had to choose one, though, like, Chet makes it sound like, oh, you know, the, the vampires won't, will, won't take you in and they'll hate you. But, like, the world is big, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what if he just went somewhere else? <laughs> like, any other country. Yeah, I think that that is... Maybe, like, because he's making the choice to remain human, like, the implication is that, you know, that's not going to work in the long run. Yeah. It could. He just doesn't want to make it work. (laughs) No, I don't think, I I don't think it would work. (laughs) I think. He just doesn't want it bad enough. The way that this book ends with it just being a description of him getting thirstier and thirstier. Like, I think that it is, this is not something that can be contained, right? Like, right, he, right. he's going to do, something is going to happen. We don't know what. We just don't know what. So I think that, like, because he is trying to make something work that cannot happen, that is going to lead to something more tragic, right? Like, yeah. instead of, like you said, just accepting that this is his lot in life and going and being a vampire and hunting deer in the woods or whatever, because he is trying so hard to cling on to, like, no, I am a human, um, mm-hmm. that is going to lead to something worse, right? Like, that is going to yeah. lead to him snapping and killing his family, which it is, ha- I'm, yeah. like, there are, the very end of this book is, like, some almost, like, getting shorter and shorter sentences about, like, yeah. how like his family, he would never want to eat his family, but they smell so good, and, like, he's so thirsty, and this and He hears the their heartbeat. He blah, hears, blah, yes. Blah. So it's, like, it's fairly heavily implied that that's what's going to happen. Like, yeah. you know, I just wish he like he would have just gone and eaten animals and then just like ran away from the other vampires and right. lived, lived a life somewhere else. He could have done that, but 
I think Chet forced these ideas into his mind of like, you only have two options. And so he thought. Maybe now I am coming around to the gay allegory because then it does actually make sense of if we say like he is choosing to remain straight and that is eventually going to be the worst choice, right? Like he's Mm -hmm, choosing mm -hmm. to try to bury and repress and then that that isn't but that's gonna make him kill us that's gonna that's gonna be more explosive in the end than if you just accept it (laughs) i still don't think it i still don't think it works as a gay allegory but i can kind of see where people are getting it from yeah 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 yeah. uh (laughs) i you know i like a good vampire book i did not like this iteration of vampires Mm. i don't like i don't like when they're the bad guys i guess I um, did like that. Like, I think that I liked mm-hmm. most things about this book. I just felt that it wasn't, it was trying to be literary in a way that wasn't literary enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I thought that was, I think he could just have become a vampire and just <laughs> was selective about his eating. I feel like that was so stupid. <laughs> We're well, looking at it at face value, like this, this is a book about a boy who doesn't want to become a vampire and wants to stay human. I'm like, well, you're not human. <laughs> so you just have to accept the fact that you're a vampire, make it work for you in a nonviolent way, and then just go about your life, man. There you I don't go. know what to tell you. Wise words. I don't know what to tell you. Wise words for any young vampires out there. Exactly. If you're listening mm-hmm. to this, young vampire, just know. Just know we support you. Just know we support you, especially if you are only eating animals. Well, that was this book. Next week, we will be continuing our expose on Dive by Gordon Corman. Expose? I don't know why I said that. Dive. I don't know why you said it either. <laughs> by Gordon Corman with uh, the second book, The Deep. The week uh-huh. after that, we are going to be wrapping up our Sad Girls Unit with yeah. another, a, a submission within a submission. As listener yes. Bryn has sent us a suggestion to check out Jen Bennett um, as a possible mm-hmm. third option. And we will be checking out Jen Bennett with her book, The, Anato- the Anatomical Shape of a Heart. Yes. Um, it should be good. It's like a more recent mm-hmm. uh, sad girl book. So see how things have changed since the early aughts. Yeah. Slash 1963. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, if you have a book or unit you would like for us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love it or hate it, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise... Chet's gonna come to your house and and make you make you do a horrible thing and trick you. Chet's gonna get you. Chet's gonna get you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking now, like that X gonna give it to you, but yeah, it's that's Chet. One hundred percent what I was thinking too. <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much. Artie is snoring so loudly right it's now. Fine. I'm sorry. Just keep going. It, it, if you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. In the words of M.T. Anderson, I am not a morning person. I am not an afternoon person either. I guess that I am not a person at all. <laughs> that one. I, did. I like that one, too. <laughs> I also highlighted this quote where he said his fingers are all sticky from eating French fries. And I was like, what, what French, French fries, fries are you my eating? guy? <laughs> literary slummers to another episode of shelf aware the podcast where we read books wait hold on do i start this one you can i should right because then you yes this was all correct yeah yes okay you were doing so well i was doing so good and then i was like fuck it did i do this right okay all right